Uh, as we introduce the third talk uh, uh, on prayer, I want to open with an important question. Uh, and the question is this. Uh, if you were to ask Jesus for anything, what would you ask him at this point in time? If you could ask Jesus for anything, what would you ask him? Or, here's a let me make it a little different. If you were to ask Jesus to teach you anything, what would you ask him to teach you? It's an interesting question because if we think of the disciples, there's a whole raft of things they didn't ask Jesus for, well, not recorded in the scriptures anyway. For example, they didn't ask Jesus, uh, Lord Jesus, would you teach us to preach? Or uh, you, you don't read, hey Jesus, would you teach us to read the scriptures? Uh, hey Jesus, would you teach us to evangelise? Or would you teach us to heal? Or even teach us the way of worship? You don't read that in the Bible, it's not recorded. But there is one explicit thing that they ask Jesus to teach them. Uh, in Luke 11, verse 1, uh, Jesus is praying in a certain place, and when he had finished praying, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to... Pray. Yeah, teach us to pray. Isn't that interesting? Just as John taught his disciples. Of all the things to be learned and taught by Jesus... The disciples specifically asked for help with prayer. And so there must have been something powerful and attractive in the prayer life of Jesus. And so if you look at the back of the outline, you can see there's a summary there. That's just a, a few Bible verses that outline the praying life of Jesus as an example. You can see that Jesus prayed in busyness or in solitude. He prayed before dawn. He prayed through the night. Jesus even adopted different postures of prayer. Uh, and so when he fed the multitude, he, was, he did it standing and he was looking up to heaven. So his eyes were open. He knelt. At Gethsemane, he was face down. Uh, when does Jesus pray? He prayed at his baptism, the, the beginning of his ministry. Before he chose the twelve. Before the transfiguration. Before sending the seventy-two. Uh, he interceded for children and for the Apostle Peter. Uh, John the Baptist's head is removed. And what does Jesus do? He goes to a solitary place to pray. He prayed in sorrow with loud cries and tears and agony. Jesus even prayed when he was dying. And so there's a snapshot, a very, very quick snapshot of Jesus' life and ministry beginning and ending with prayer. Of all the experiences the disciples shared with Jesus, as they travelled with him and saw so many spectacular things, here is one thing that stood out to them, one thing they wanted to emulate, and the answer is prayer. So on that note, why don't we pray? Let's bow our heads. Loving Father, we thank you for your son. We thank you for his faithful example of prayer as recorded in the Gospels. Grow in us more and more a desire to come to you faithfully in prayer. Teach us, Father, by your Holy Spirit, we ask you to teach us to pray. And may we glorify you 
in this area of prayer. We pray it in the precious name of your Son, Jesus. Amen. Which brings us to Matthew chapter 6, verse 9. We're just looking at the Lord's Prayer today verse, uh, from verse 9 on. And what is the first word in our text? Our. In our prayer, rather. Our. What is the implication? As Jesus teaches his disciples to pray, what is the implication of the word our? It's all of us. There are no lone rangers. That's right. It's a family prayer. It's a community prayer. It's a prayer we say with others. The first word isn't my, my Father in heaven, like I don't have to, I'm a lone ranger and I don't have to think about anybody else. Uh, it's our, which means we all belong together. There's unity. We all share the same access to the same Father. We are all his children approaching our Father. And so today, our, as we say, our Father, think, know that we join with millions of Christians the world over who participate in this prayer. I find that extraordinarily powerful. So there's our first point. Prayer is about our, together, our relationship with God. Notice the terms of the relationship. We are the children and he is the father. And that's the normal pattern in scripture. It's a good pattern to pray to the father. Some people say, do I pray to Jesus? Do I pray to the Holy Spirit? Uh, Jesus taught his disciples to pray to the father. And so it's, well, if Jesus taught us to pray that, we should pray that. It's a good pattern because our disposition must always be as his children. And so unlike so many other religions, the God we pray to is the one we ultimately call Father. It's personal. There's a nearness about it. Unlike so many religions, the God we come to in the name of Jesus is not some far-off remote force somewhere out in the cosmos waiting to hit us with a hammer. He is our Father. And so he is thoroughly relational, and this is intimately personal. Unlike our earthly fathers, this Father is perfect. Now, is this the God that you worship? Is, is it consistent, your worship, is it consistent with this God that's revealed himself in the Scriptures through his Son? He is our Father, we are the children. Where is God the Father? Our Father in heaven. You know the words, this is good. And so as we say the word heaven, we're reminded of the majesty and the greatness of God. And so on the, on the one hand, see that God as our Father is knowable and he is personal and he is relational. Yet on the other hand, our Father, he's in heaven. And in heaven, where he rules on high, as our king and our creator. So on one hand, when we say heaven, we get a little bit transcendent, don't we? But when we call him father, we remember the transcendent ruling God with all the authority and power is also our father, who we know intimately and personally. And so this reorients our thinking we're just getting warmed up as we say this word. These are the introductory words. 
we come to the Creator, the one with the power and the majesty and the authority who rules on high. And this first line is meant to give you pause as you think about God and who he is and what he is like. Here's the second point. Prayer should reflect our heart's desire for God's glory. Notice that's the first petition. This is the first thing we ask for. Hallowed be your name. Uh, Here is a concern for the glory of the Father straight away. Uh, That word hallowed means uh, holy. May your name be holy, uh, but not only just holy, may it be holy in such a way that it resounds throughout the world. May your holy name, may your reputation, uh, may your glory and power Uh, May the fact that there is none like you, may that be known throughout all the world. And so here we are acknowledging the holy character of God. Uh, Leviticus 19 verse 2 says, Be holy because I, the Lord your God, am holy. And so this is also a prayer that his church, you and I, would honour his name. Such is our holiness. Such is our Christ-likeness, if you like. That God would be glorified and hallowed. That his renown, his love and his mercy would be known in the world. That is a big prayer, isn't it? Hallowed be your name is a missional prayer. Uh, God has promised through the prophets that his name would be hallowed and glorified in the coming of his kingdom. We heard that in Ezekiel 36, that passage Thea read out for us. Which brings us to the next phrase. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Here is priority number one. When we say your kingdom come, it's a bit like uh, verse 33 where he says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Ultimately, Jesus brings in the kingdom. Uh, It is seen and found wherever you see Jesus. Why is that? Because Jesus is the king of the kingdom. Kingdom of God sounds like an abstract thing. I'm saying to you it's not. The kingdom of God has a king. His name is Jesus. Wherever you see the king, you see the kingdom. You see it in his miracles. He reverses the curse on people as he heals them and brings, instead of curse, he brings renewal and life. He brings the kingdom but also he brings forgiveness doesn't he as sin is dealt with through the cross and his resurrection and today can we see the kingdom today can we see the kingdom today and the answer is yes the kingdom comes in the gospel as the spirit of christ brings people into faith in the kingdom's king jesus so here we are And so wherever you see the followers of Jesus, there also you see the kingdom of God. But while we willingly participate in the kingdom now, there are still millions who don't recognise God's authority over the world. We live in a broken world where pain and injustice and death rob us of our joy. Jesus is king, but many do not bow to him as king. They are... Not about your will be done, Father. They're about my will be done. (laughs) To pray your will be done to God the Father is to set aside your will 
It's to surrender your feelings and your desire and your heart to God. But we also know King Jesus will reappear at the end of human history to bring in his kingdom. His kingdom will come. And so when we pray your kingdom come, we are identifying ourselves with the purposes of God in the gospel. We are searching and asking that his saving purposes would occur. What is next? If God meets our spiritual needs in the coming of his kingdom, in sending Jesus, then we also pray for physical needs. So point three, prayer shows our dependence on God for sustenance. Give us this day our daily bread. Reminds us, those words remind us that we are all people in need. When we ask God for things, we are admitting that we are in some way deficient, but that God is sufficient. It's not difficult for our brothers and sisters in Uganda, for example, to pray this prayer. Uh, where children are seen every day with jerry cans walking for water. You want water out of your tap, they go for a walk, which is kilometres and kilometres sometimes. We, in the West, we take so much for granted, don't we? We take clean water for granted. We have more food than we know what to do with. We have wealth unknown to billions of people in the world. You might not even think that this line is for you. Give us this day our daily bread. I've got a fridge full of stuff. Are you kidding me? And rather than acknowledge the blessings from God, well, we'll just put it down to good old-fashioned hard work and good government or that we were born or where we were born or the colour of our skin, maybe. And as we do that, we're presuming upon the blessing of God. Uh, Israel did that in their history. You can see an example in Deuteronomy 8. They were warned against it, presuming upon the blessing of God. In Deuteronomy 8, verse 11, you can see it on the back. It says, Be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God, failing to observe his commands, his laws and his decrees that I'm giving you this day. Otherwise, when you eat and are satisfied, when you build fine houses and settle down... And when your herds and flocks grow large and your silver and gold increase and all you have is multiplied, then your heart will become proud and you will forget the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. It's a warning to Israel in their history and it's, it's a warning to us. I mean, you see the danger, it's not much of a jump, is it? Our temptation is to take God for granted, or worse, our temptation is to forget the one who redeemed us by sending his son Jesus, to forget the one who blesses us so generously. The prayer Jesus models is one of dependence and sustenance. And like the Israelites, we receive good gifts without even saying so much as a thank you. I mean, is this what happens after a drought? We have a drought. The drought is terrible. We cry out to God in prayer. Dear God, we are desperate. And then it rains and we're all relieved. And then life goes back to normal and God is sidelined again until we're desperate. Thanking God for his daily provision 
is something uh, we try and instil in our children in the Draycott household. Uh, come bedtime, we go to say our prayers, right? give me a list, what are you thankful for today? And sometimes my children have a list and other times they don't. But we keep asking the question. And why do we do that? Because our master delights when we live grateful lives that are openly dependent on him. Here's the fourth thing. Prayer highlights our need to forgive and to be forgiven. Uh, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. That's the phrase in the prayer. We're reminded that we need to spend time with God, bringing our mistakes, our errors, our rebellion and our sin before him, asking God to forgive us. And just as we ought to be willing and seeking to forgive those who have offended us. A willingness to forgive comes from the belief that any offence we experience, what has been done to us, is often small compared to the offence and sin that has been done against God. We love and we forgive because in Christ we know God's love and forgiveness of us. The cost of God's forgiveness was significant. The death of his son. An enormous display of love. And so that love and forgiveness uh, shines out of us as we go out and forgive people. We are people of forgiveness. Because we have first been forgiven. And when we withhold such forgiveness, when we know a fellow believer is forgiven and accepted by God, but we don't accept them, well, that is a dangerous place to be. We come to God asking for forgiveness because confessing sin is like agreeing with God that we miss the mark, that we fall short of his glory. But as we confess, as we come to the Father to confess our sin, we find, we find his mercy and we find his grace. We find the Father who pardons our wrongdoings by forgiving us. Here's the fifth thing. Prayer shows our need for constant deliverance from the evil one's power. Uh, how does it finish? Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Here again is another need, a spiritual need. Our need for help against the work of the wily devil. Our Lord Jesus was attacked and tempted by the devil in the desert. And as we navigate life, as we are tempted, life can feel like a desert. We can feel dry and we can feel parched and we can feel weak. And you can be sure that as you feel dry and parched and weak, you can be guaranteed the devil will take full advantage. Sin is always crouching at our door. And if we are living and growing in Christ, this petition reminds us of Satan's desire to lure us away from him. Temptation is never far away. A click of a button or the TV remote controller can lead the believer down to the pit of sin. Magazines, reality TV, panel shows, Netflix, Facebook, dulls our minds to the things of Christ and often feed us with the lies of the world. 
Our children are being raised in a world where things once frowned upon and unthinkable are now normal and acceptable. Little wonder Jesus tells us to pray this. The prayer of deliverance from the evil one is the prayer of strength and faithfulness. We need God's sustenance, not just for daily bread, but for our daily spiritual power as we battle with the evil one. And so this is a great comfort to know that we are not alone in our struggles, whatever they are. This is a great encouragement for us to pray. And as we consider Jesus' teaching, well, I wonder, as you thought about this framework, this pattern, is there an aspect of your prayer life that you've overlooked? What have you been missing in your prayer life? What have you become ambivalent about? As you pray. I mean, give us this day our daily bread. I'm convicted about that. I need, to, I need to be better at that. That's just one example. Maybe over the week ahead, you can work through each point of this pattern. One day at a time, you can work through it slowly and absorb the magnitude of this prayer as we come to the Father. See again, my, an example from my children. Sophie and I have a night time. Well, sometimes we'll pray through this prayer. Uh, can you believe Baraba Central School taught Sophie the Lord's Prayer? Isn't that amazing? And she still remembers it. But I want to teach you what it means. One thing to rattle it off. But so often she'll say, Dad, what does that mean? What does the word hallowed mean? And so we'll talk. Just one line. We'll talk about what it means and then we'll pray about that thing, whatever that means. Might be daily bread. Might be a kingdom prayer. How exciting it is when your child prays for friends that don't yet know Jesus. It might be forgiveness. It's all good, food, all good food for the soul. But always at the centre is the one who teaches us to pray. And he is our Lord Jesus. And so may he grow in each of us a desire to draw near to the Father and to pray kingdom prayers. Now I'm going to close uh, in prayer. And uh, I invite you to listen, uh, listen to the framework I use as I pray. And uh, as is always the practice, if you agree, you're invited to say amen at the end. So let's bow our heads. Uh, our Father, we thank you for who you are. You are our Father who rules on high in heaven. Remind us today that you live and reign. Make us aware of your presence in all our undertakings. Help us to live humbly as your children. Hallowed be your name. May we recognise you in the splendour of nature, even in the odd mix of people around us. May we honour your holiness by seeking to become more like Jesus Christ. We pray that your kingdom comes, 
as your kingdom comes in, please grow your kingdom here in Inverell, that more and more people repent and believe the good news of Jesus and confess him as King and Saviour. We pray that your will would be done on earth as it is in heaven, Father. And so help us to set aside our wills. May we entrust ourselves to you, bow before you as the one with all power and authority and seek to do what pleases you and what glorifies your name. Father, give us today our daily bread. We have no guarantee of a day beyond this one. Life is fleeting. Help us to trust you for what we need today, to trust you for nourishment for the body and the soul, and not to be anxious about the future needs and wants. Help us to be responsive to those who lack daily bread today. And Father, forgive us our sins as we also forgive those who sin against us. Father, we can never buy our way into your favour. In Christ it is done. We thank you for that. We praise you for that. Give us a willingness to show grace and forgiveness to others. A love that mirrors the enormous undeserved grace and forgiveness that you have shown to us in your Son. Father, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Father, let us not slide mindlessly toward evil. Make us alert to temptation and strong to resist it and to even flee from it with neither fear nor regret. Father God, grow in each of us and every one of us a greater love and devotion to you, which is evidenced through prayer. And may it all be to your honour and glory and praise. Amen.